You sending the wolf? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me today on our Christmas episode of Season 2. Yes, this episode is being released on Tuesday, December 25th, 2018. Merry Christmas to you if you celebrate. Happy Tuesday to you if you do not. Um, Fun fact, this is the second time I am recording this intro because I did not press record the first time. I did the whole intro, which I thought was actually pretty good. Uh, and then I realized I wasn't recording because I'm sick. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I am under the weather. It sucks. I do not enjoy being sick, but I do enjoy talking about uh, this week's episode. I just listened to it and it's great. I'm really, really proud of it. I'm really happy with it. And I think you guys are going to like it too. My guest is Morgan Peter Brown. Morgan Peter Brown is a character actor. You have seen him in countless television shows and countless movies, uh, but he is also a producer, and he produced uh, Mike Flanagan's film, Absentia, among many other things, including the Christmas horror anthology that is out right now called All the Creatures Were Stirring. Um, Morgan is also uh, on the show... Fear Initiative for the Blumhouse Podcast Network with me. And, um, you know, we've been friends for several years, but we've we've gotten to be better friends um, over the over 2018. And it was a real treat to have him on the show. We're talking about The Third Man, which is a noir classic that I had actually never seen before. But it is weird. Like, it's one of those older movies where when you watch it, you go, wow, this is so not what I thought this was going to be. Um, so I was really glad that he picked it. And, you know, Morgan and I both, in addition to being actors, we we like to work behind the scenes as well and produce. And so he and I had great conversation, not only about, you know, Hollywood and not only about the movie at hand, but to, but just about like, I don't know, about making movies in general and, and, and our take on things from different perspectives of the filmmaking process. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I enjoyed having the conversation with Morgan. Here he is, Morgan Peter Brown, co-star and producer of All the Creatures That Are Stirring, which is available to stream and buy on Blu-ray right now. Uh, talking about the third man. So good. So and uh, nice no, this is so I'm excited <laughs> too, actually. I think I'm going to learn a lot. Um, and uh, you've listened to the show, so I you know have. it's 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 informal and uh, can just I say fuck? Chat. No, I'm kidding. You can, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's my show. You can absolutely say fuck. Um, and, uh, so I don't have coffee breath. <laughs> well, I'm about to have coffee breath right, as, we, a, as we, as we, as I older. consume my, I, bamboo it straw? is a bamboo Did straw. You? I try, <laughs> I try and, uh, doing and, your part. Yeah. I mean, I, what I can, <laughs> but in the plastic Starbucks cup, of course. Right. So I'm killing do? the environment in other ways. <laughs> um, I actually just read this article about 
about how like ever half the things most things that people put in the recycling cannot be recycled right. uh and and i am so guilty of that like i was like oh the pizza box but no because huh. if the pizza box is covered in like food the and stuff yeah. then it doesn't it's it's ruined essentially Got it. and uh so i was like oh well okay i've been doing this wrong and right. i'm such a i'm crazy about recycling yeah we are too yeah. and uh and and it's like we've been doing it all wrong right. for so long um so yeah the straws are something that i'm trying half to. of our recycling is amazon boxes because crystal uses amazon prime Same. like it's going out of business i've been trying to save mm-hmm. like because i also shop online i like i do um this is so off tangent but it doesn't <laughs> matter uh i i like to buy um recycled clothing oh, because wow. like sometimes you know you can find things that are beautiful that have been worn once that people are right. selling and they're super cheap and um, so I use Poshmark a lot, cool. um, which is great. Uh, but God, it's just like they send box and it's one item. Oh, man. And so you, there's no way because it's all individual sellers, right. there's no way to package it all together. Right. So I'm trying very hard to like as the holidays roll around, like save my boxes. Right. That is an empty box. <laughs> Nicely that done. That is an empty box. Yes. Like I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to be aware. But, sure. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. Okay. So Morgan. <laughs> So I'm, Clark, I'm so happy that you were on my podcast uh, because we have been doing a podcast together. I know for a little while. We don't have dice here with us I, today. I can get them. <laughs> my, my binder is right in there. Roll for initiative. <laughs> but um, I, that was such a fun experience too. Like yeah. I really loved doing um, the show. If you guys don't know, which I have talked about, is called Fear Initiative, mm-hmm. and it's on the Blood House Blood Blood House Blum House <laughs> Podcast Network. And um, you know, I feel like I'm gonna just say it. Like I feel like you were producing that show even though you weren't really producing that show it was um it was and by design it was kind of a mixed bag of of experience of players and and you and Kara yeah totally new and then uh Jeff Seidman and and I were kind of the more experienced folks but it was such a blast to see you kind of learn the game and I, I was just beaming uh, at watching you kind of take over and keep playing your character. And, and because I, I, it it feels like acting at yes. times and it, and it is really that role playing. And so it's creatively very satisfying. Uh, and it's been so much fun to kind of keep, keep playing out with you. And we hope there's more to come. I know. I do yeah. hope there's more to come. And it is true. Like I remember there was a day early in our recording schedule. Maybe it was like maybe the fourth episode or something where we went in and I was having such a bad day. Yeah. And uh, just like it was one of those things where like everything that could go wrong yeah. had and I was super down. And uh, and by the time I left, I was in a, such a great mood. Yeah. Because you really it is like it is acting. Yeah. It is improv. That's what you're, you're improv a story it's improvised storytelling and it was so fun and um you know I wish that I uh I wish that I understood you know it's so hard when you're juggling 12 people's schedule oh my god especially when we're <laughs> all working yeah. and we're all working in the business so it's yeah. not nine to five no it's not nine to five and jobs come and go like that exactly yeah. and so it's it's one of those things where like when there were practice games I would be so bummed that it's like hey guys we're getting together tonight let's play and I was right. like mm. No, I want to play. But um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like you know, I was I was jealous because I want I like the game, yeah. And I want to. I don't know if I'll ever be as experienced as you or Jeff, but I love that you guys have that knowledge and like it's just there. Because there's so many rules. Oh my god. (laughs) Let's be honest. There are so many rules in Dungeons and Dragons. So many like you know what your character is capable of, and and you know oh that doesn't count. This like it's just it's it's so awesome. And I had never played. 
played before Fear Initiative, and yeah. it was so fun. But it was, and and I think for the audience, that's fun to hear as well. Yeah, yeah, and and I kind of. I sort of, uh, I got knocked online a little bit for this, but it's a fair criticism where I kind of felt like I had to take the lead a little bit to start yeah. because, because kind of letting you know what you could do yeah, like, and kind of just kind of like prodding people. It's like, all right, what do you want to do there? Yes. And so, and it, it, as the last few episodes got so like collaborative and yes. cool and everybody kind of doing their own thing, it's just feeling like hitting a stride. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. I yeah. hope that there's more. Yeah. Uh, so Agreed. we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Indeed. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so it's, I'm really excited to have you on in addition to, um, you know, the fact that you are a, an actor and a, a very recognizable face. Thanks. Uh, I, I, I No, it's true. And I <laughs> love you. that. Um, but, but also you are a producer mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that I think is, that's something that I aspire to do as well is to not only be seen in front of the camera, but create behind the camera as well. Right. Even if it's not necessarily as a director, I love the idea of, of producing and creating with, with people who are good at directing and <laughs> yes. writing, which I am not a good writer, that's for <laughs> sure, uh, in that way. But um, with your movie, The Third Man, that yes. you picked, yes. um, you know, one of the things, I had never seen this one. I know, I'm so excited. Yeah, and, and it was- <laughs> And I'm genuinely excited for whatever your thoughts are. Yeah, well, it was so, so I'm, I'm curious because the producer directed this movie yes. as well and Carol, um, Reed. Carol Reed and I found this movie to be so uh, it's like it's such a to me, it's a strange, put, strangely put together. I agree. Film. I'm nodding my head. Yes. Yeah. So, so let's talk about at first. I want to hear about the first time you saw this movie. Sure. I think I discovered it in college. Um, I was on an Orson Welles kick. I am a fan. Yeah. Although I hate Touch of Evil. Yeah. No, I, I see that. Um, it's it's technically beautiful, but I, I there are sure. things about it for sure. But and so I uh, had seen Magnificent Ambersons, had seen Citizen Kane, and they're beautiful, stunning movies. But Third Man, um, being a fan of genre, being a fan of mystery, being yeah. a fan of noir, uh, I just latched onto it and I was like, I love it. And even though it's funny, because when most people talk about Third Man, they talk about it as an Orson Welles right, movie. Right, which it is not. It's barely an Orson Welles <laughs> yeah, movie like at all. truly, But yeah. he's, um, we'll get to that. Uh, it, so it is an odd mashup of a few things. Um, it is kind of a noir, mm -hmm. but it's set in post-war Vienna, Austria. Right. In, like, and it's not just, it's shot there and it's stunning. Like it's, um, the photography in this movie continually takes my breath away. And there are these shots of, so you have these intimate scenes, you know, of, of like a mystery and trying like of the, talking to the cops and then talking to uh, the, the lady friend of his missing friend and all of this stuff. And then they go out onto the street and these bombed out, absolutely stunning buildings are behind them. You're like, oh my God, the scene with the Ferris wheel is just like, Ugh. and then of course, of course the final chase scene in the, in the yeah, sewers yeah. is like iconic. Um, so you have that with all these beautiful, uh, visuals. You have the score. <laughs> the, squ the score the is zither a, score. That yes. is crazy to yeah. me. Like yeah. truly as somebody who only knew uh, a handful of select images from this movie, yeah. I knew Orson Welles was in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know it's on all the lists. That's pretty much what I knew. Right. And then it starts out with, it's like, it's so jaunty. It's very jaunty. Like, and it's pretty funny. It's a funny movie. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah. That, that is something I picked up on too, yeah. was there are a lot of funny lines yes. in this movie. Yes. To the point where it was just like, it, it's, um, which I feel like is a very modern thing. Yeah. Um, like the idea that your serious movies can also have really funny dialogue You mean in like it. humanity? I mean, you mean exactly, like, like, like real life. You mean like you can find comedy? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and, but the score was something yep. that just stood out to me, obviously. Like there would be serious moments happening and then it was right. the, the, the zither coming back. And, and part of it, and that's all over the place, um, yeah, because that that's a down uh, that's a, a downside of noir sometimes is that it can take itself so seriously yes. and so glaring and and uh, uh, brooding, and this is kind of constantly lightening or constantly kind of playing with tone in such a way that makes it a lot more watchable than some of those movies. Uh, and, and the script uh, and written by Graham Greene, it's so good. And there are so many classic lines. The line, Orson Welles' line about the cuckoo clock people yeah. talk about all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, whole, that whole scene. It's so good. Uh, the whole, the talking about the dots, you know. Uh, by the way, um, I had been, it had been a little while since uh-huh. I watched it. And so watching it, yesterday and today to refresh um did not expect it to be as timely yeah like just about people making money off of suffering Mm -hmm. and not caring yeah and saying like well everyone else is doing it why can't i yep and then it's about loyalty but how good is loyalty worth anything when the people you're loyal to are garbage yeah that's exactly right and do I have to point at things? I don't think so. Exactly. I think I think I pretty much, and we know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was, uh, I was glad for that as well. Uh, just, you know, to rediscover that and to kind of go like, God damn, like, yeah, they nailed so many things so well. Yeah. Um, the, the themes as well of the ironic, for those who haven't watched it and you should, um, it, it's, it starts off as a mystery of this guy who's come to town uh, to, c- to come to Vienna with the promise of a job and to see his best friend. And he shows up and almost immediately finds out his best friend has died in a car accident right. or is hit by a car. And so it's a mystery and you think it's a mystery of this guy finding and defending his best friend. And he finds the best and this woman who says she was his lover and everything. And it's like, and it's about these people who are so attached to this guy who you never meet or you think you're never going to yeah. meet because he's dead. Right. And so you're hearing about, but then he starts hearing the cops are like, your friend was a crook. And he's like, no, he's not. He was my friend. He was the best. He was here. He was doing all these things for me. And then you slowly find out, no, he was terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, it's sort of Shakespearean how Orson Welles does it or how it's how it, the movie kind of introduces him. This is the thing I love in movies, but, but it's it's often done wrong, where a character's talked about yes. for so long before you finally meet them. Yeah. Because it's a, a very easy thing to do bad. Yes. Um, that you, the whole first hour of the movie mm-hmm. is spent creating the um, mythos, the, the, the image of this guy, right. of Harry Lyme, his friend. And you hear all these stories about him that by the time he shows up, because he does show up, spoiler alert, <laughs> uh, by the time he shows up, he needs to be huge yes. in presence. And he is. Yes. And it's fucking Orson yes. Welles. And his first appearance in the street uh, is done, again, the photography's so beautiful. He's just bathed in light all of a sudden. Yeah. And you're like, what? And, uh, and from then on out, 
it's it's kind of the Orson Welles show. Yes. <laughs> and that's fine. It sure is. Because he kind of takes it over and he's so good um, that it, it does the, some of those things so well where it's like, because there are, when I say that's a, a thing that isn't often done well in movies where you talk about a character for so long and then by the time you finally meet them, you're like, that's it? Mm-hmm. That guy? Mm-hmm. Another one, it's, you know, the movie has its ups and downs, but Gangs of New York does that so yeah. well with like Liam Neeson's character. Yes. Where you meet him first, but they talk about him for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, yeah, he's fucking Liam Neeson. Right. Um, and he's just, you know, this gargantuan character. But so I'm rambling. But no. I, I, there, there are all these things about the movie that jump out to me. And it is an odd amalgam of things. It doesn't quite fit in any one genre. No. It's, it's just mystery, romance, um, uh, it has a lot of things in common with Casablanca, actually. Sure, it reminded me a lot of Casablanca. Because yeah. Casablanca is set in that, but the settings are both very similar in different ways. Um, how Casablanca is set in Casablanca, Morocco, mm-hmm. which is like this way station of all of these different yes. uh, countries in this troubled time. And Vienna in 1948 or 49 was, uh, they, they set it up at the beginning. It's literally like, occupied by three or four different that forces. was so interesting to yeah. me and such a clever use of that device yeah. like i loved that they're like no we have to get him into this part of town right, exactly. so that we can do x y and you z you don't want to go to the russian part of town exactly. you know like that kind of thing still. yes and uh, still to this day <laughs> also timely um and just the the number of characters that they kind of keep introducing that was another thing that struck me this time like his friend I forget the character's name. The guy with the little dog. Who oh, was yeah. such a weirdo. Yeah, with his weird, <laughs> yeah. Yes, totally. I almost didn't even realize he was holding a dog for the first couple minutes that he's talking. And they're like, what is that? Oh, my God. This is, that's like schnauzer. <laughs> it's so funny when you go back, and especially these movies that are, like, acclaimed and, and you know, yeah. they're on the AFI list. So right. they come with a little bit of, like, you know, snootiness. Yes, prestige. And, and then they have these weird, this weird shit in them. Yeah. Like, that. that's something that I always appreciate is yeah. when you... You go back and you find weirdness and yeah. you're like, why does this guy have the dog? Like right. that it's such a strange touch, but it's so cool. Yeah. It's so innovative yeah. and interesting. Yeah, that that is kind of yeah, these giant movies, these old movies that are talked about so much can take on such an aura that sometimes that it's it's so cool to just go back and go like, no, there's weird little idiosyncratic stuff yeah. in this one too. And then honestly, all that stuff is what kind of makes this one so special for me. So I want to ask, because I agree with everything you said about Orson Welles um, in this movie. Mm-hmm. It was, he, I don't know. Um, I don't, I, you know, I, I didn't really look into it or try to read any interviews with him, sure. but he looked like he was having a great time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and he just was so energetic. Yeah. I mean, he truly leaps off that screen. He does. And, 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 um, I mean, I personally, it's funny, Ashley Clements and I, uh, was who is in all the creatures were stirring, yes. which you produced Thank and you. are also in, mm-hmm. um, you know, she and I were talking off mic when she was on the show about, uh, about citizen Kane mm-hmm. and about how she, had only watched it once in high school and she didn't understand why she had to watch it mm-hmm. and I was like well listen you're an actor and as an actor for Orson Welles performance alone yeah. like like what maybe give it a rewatch but 
it's true. Like there are some, uh, you know, it's, I think that is the theme of this conversation is the, the thing being built up and built up yes. and built up and does it actually rise to the occasion? Right. And for me, Orson Welles, and even if I don't like Touch of Evil or if I don't, whatever, um, you know, I feel like he's one of those people who you watch, not all, but for me, but some of his stuff and you yeah. go, yeah, he's as good and as revolutionary and as magical Right. As as the lore would suggest, the the raw charisma and just magnetism. Some people are just movie stars. Yeah, it's true. I I mean James Dean's the same way. Totally. Where you heard, you know yeah as like you know aspiring filmmakers or something you hear about it so often and, and sort of like well James Dean blah 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 and you're like eh, yeah yeah and then you and then I actually did watch Rebel Without a Cause and I was like God damn yeah like he had something like immediately yeah you just like your eye is drawn to him and Orson Welles has that too. It's a very different style of yes. energy, but it's, um, you're right. He's having a blast in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe it's because he's not directing and writing Which, and producing hooray. and all of it. <laughs> and he's just like, I just need to show up and act. Exactly. He probably did like what a week on the, he's like, <laughs> well, I gotta be here for five days and no big deal. I don't I know. I just need to show happen. up and crush it. <laughs> and crush y'all. Orson uh, style. <laughs> that's right. I, and, and the Ferris wheel scene is, Ugh. it's, I mean the writing, the acting. Joseph Cotton. Let's let's talk about the 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 lead of the movie. So yes, before before you say what you're gonna yeah. say, I just wanted to point out that uh, tough role yeah. when you have to play opposite, play yeah. under the shadow of, yeah. and then play opposite right. the Harry Lime character, but also Orson Welles. Well, and I think. Uh, Joseph Cotton, because I don't, I mean, yes, he's in Citizen Kane and he's, he's actually got a hell of a um, uh, resume, but pardon me, uh, to the Cotton estate, he, in this movie, he feels like a loser. Agree. He's a loser. He he shows up and he, and the movie plays him that way yes. where he's like, he's a failing writer. He's there to get a job and boy, that's not going to work out. Yep. And um, he's kind of funny and smart because he's a writer, but also like people aren't giving him the time of day. Right. And I think- he kind of felt, uh, to, to give it like a modern day comparison, he felt like a John C. Riley-esque oh, kind of feel. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and where he's not, he's not George Clooney walking into town. He's not, right. you know, the most handsome dude showing up. He's just kind of like, you know, he thinks his friend's been wronged. Yeah. And so he wants to try to find it out. And so I think, I think that's by design. It has to be because you've got, you know, he's charismatic enough and, and smart enough that you want to follow him on this mystery and find out what's going on. But then, yeah, then Orson Welles shows up and it's there's no question who's the superior of right. the two. It's not in acting, they're both yeah, great, yeah. but I mean like is who's the who's the dominant one in this relationship? Right. And that's why that Ferris wheel scene again is so interesting because it's their old dynamic. Yeah. Yes. And you can tell Joseph Cotton like looks up to this man and has been um What's the word? Uh, uh, just, you know, talking about him as if he's a saint yeah. and the best man in the world. And he's not. Yeah. He's a terrible human being. And additionally, you know, I feel like we've watched him. You're right. He shows up and he is kind of a loser. Yeah. And then as he goes through this pursuit and as he is, he's kind of coming into his own identity. Yeah. And, um, and, and as he discovers things, I, I do, in my opinion, I feel like we see the character change a little bit. Yeah. But then in the in the Ferris wheel scene, it, it shifts back. Like you see in the, at least Sarah I did. 
dynamic that's again. A, yes, yeah. and and I think that it's even more exaggerated for us because we have seen him kind of get a little tougher and right. get a little more, and then he kind of shrinks back down. Like you can see the change, yeah. um, which is which is just so uh, which is a cool choice. Yeah, and um, it's that ex- it's that exchange of. Of when uh, Holly, uh, Joseph Joseph uh, Cotton's character, says, uh, "I shouldn't be too hard to get rid of," right. and uh, and and Orson Welles says, "Shouldn't be," <laughs> and then and that, but then he stands up to him. And he says, "Maybe not as easy as you think." Or yeah, something. it's it's very close to that. But yeah, yeah, and, and it's saying like, "I'm not." your whipping boy. I'm not, you know, this is, yeah, this is fucked up. And it's interesting. I will say, I will say, uh, that for me, the mystery, okay, well, actually here's a question and maybe you know the answer. Um, so, Orson Welles is a huge name at this point. Yes. Um, yeah, this is seven years after Citizen Kane. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, he hasn't shown up an hour into the movie. Right. And so, do, do you know, I mean, were they um, expecting the audience to kind of be like, where's Orson Welles? Why hasn't he shown up yet? Who does he play? Because for me, yeah. even not knowing who he played. Um, his name, his face and name are all I over mean, the movie. I mean, yeah. And yeah. I was like, obviously, he's playing this person that's supposed to be dead. Right. And obviously, he's not actually dead. But that's a moviegoer in 2018 right. looking at it in such a way. That's an interesting question. I think I have seen period era um, posters for it and movie marketing is movie marketing whether in 2018 or in 1949 yeah. so they had Orson Welles they weren't gonna not put him on the poster um, but that is interesting and and uh, I think they had to put him out there and yeah. had to know he's the biggest star in the movie so they had to kind of um, and he's in yeah and, and the opening credits are at the start of the mm-hmm. movie and so all of this stuff it is funny that maybe Maybe we're a bit more knowledgeable about um, how those things work now. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we're we're we've seen enough, and we've seen it like where where we can go. Oh well, that's gonna that's gonna be Orson Welles. Maybe there was less of that at the time. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, but I mean, yeah, there was no question that he was going to be a big reveal and it was like, wait to see Orson Welles in this movie. Yeah. I, I, I've never checked out old reviews. I wonder if there's like, where's Welles? Yeah. I would, I would be curious. Dateline. Well, and also, <laughs> yeah. well, it's also like the reverse of psycho casting. Right. Yes. right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, Vivian Lee. It's like, it's a yeah. Vivian Lee movie. Or no, Janet it's not. Lee. Oh, yeah. Janet Lee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But no, but um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like it's a Janet Lee movie. And yes. then we surprise the audience and go, ha ha. <laughs> just kidding. And so, so, you know, I, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I kind of love that. that, you yeah. know? And so I did wonder, um, because for me, the thing with mystery and, and I don't know why it is this way for me, but mystery films have never really been interesting to me because I think I feel like most of the time, uh, and this does not apply to uh, to the, this movie because I I feel like we he, at least I knew the. I knew that he wasn't really dead because right. of whatever. And it isn't a whodunit by the end exactly. at all. But yes, I, I, I think I think I know where you're going. But, but that said, like, I, there's always a reveal towards the end uh, in a mystery film where they're like, aha, all these things that you, the audience, could never have known right. and never have put together. You know, that's why I think people appreciate, like, the usual suspects of the world or sure. even even the Sixth Sense because it's all laid in there. It's all baked in. Right. And or it, the, the game. The, uh, right. David Fincher's The Game. Exactly. Is, yeah, yeah, of course. 
course. So, um, but but that's so it's always hard for me when I watch these movies because because it doesn't engage me mm-hmm. um, mentally. I'm just kind of like whatever. Okay, you're gonna tell me the end anyway. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like, all I have to do is sit here for 90 minutes, and I'm gonna this is gonna be explained to me. Right. So um so I I I struggled a little bit in the beginning for maybe the first hour and. I did feel like Joseph Cotton, the performance, and, and it's the character, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, it was less compelling to me, and you know, I can't fault him for that because it is that's the character, as I said. But it's just like for me, I, I do think I thought about maybe if another actor was in this role, mm. um, somebody who had the charisma, mm. not necessarily to match Orson Welles, because that doesn't really work for the character. Sure. Um, but but somebody who in their own way yeah. was kind of, you know, I love your John C. Riley comparison because John C. Riley is so good at playing a certain type. Yeah. And yet he, he has a confidence to him. Right. It's kind of like... Um, I think this about Paul Giamatti all the time. Or Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, oh, there's a swagger, yeah. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. To, especially to uh, Giamatti and yeah. and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Like there is a, a you feel, at least I feel like those dudes yeah. like when they're not playing their goofy Nebuchadnezzar characters <laughs> are like fucking badass. You know what I <laughs> right, mean? Right, right. And so so to me like that was like the thing that was maybe missing from that character. The movie does. Um, it is it, it, and I think they had to know this. I think they had to know this. Where the movie start, the mystery is starting to wear thin. Yes, right up until Orson Welles shows up. Right, and then and then we're off to the races. Um, I agree. It, it's yeah. In the middle of Act Two, it it is a little kind of, and that's why they try to buffer it with the romance between him and I'm forgetting her name. Yeah. Speaking of modern comparisons, I kept thinking of Evan Rachel Wood as I was oh. watching her. I was like, yes, they look I a lot alike. Uh, she's great, uh, but it's you know, and so they were playing more of that drama. But yes, it is kind of like you're waiting for that shoe to drop, and uh, and then, but you don't quite know how it's mm-hmm. going to, and and it's just kind of everything th- is thrown, you know, to the wolves <laughs> um, when when Orson Welles shows up, and then it's like, oh, here we go. And I like the comparison to Casablanca also because mm-hmm. one of the things that I enjoy about that movie is the the politics of the time. Right. You know, like that is it very important to the plot. Of course, right. Yeah. And um, when they got to the when when we get into the V being split up into five different or however many different zones. Right. Um, they establish that immediately, like right out of the gate. Yeah, there's a, the 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 narration. Exactly. Yeah. So we so we know this. Um, but and maybe it's because I'm you know a. a a modern audience member, sure. but but I kind of felt like, well, this doesn't really become important until much later, like yeah. when they actually, Rufus. Come here, buddy. <laughs> he's like, Amazon's here. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so like I felt like, I, you know, they don't really, like, like Holly actually says, well, he'll never come here because he knows right. that, that, you know, like we won't be able, Rufus. Rufus, come here. No. Rufus is being a guard dog. But anyway, yeah, so so I would have liked to, because that device is so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rufus! 
It's just a package. Stop it. You're fine. It's just my Christmas ornaments. You're safe. Um, I would have liked to have seen that baked more in because yeah. I, maybe it's also because I just think it's so interesting. Right. Yeah. You, you kind of want to spend more time in that world and kind of find out what's going on. You've got the British cops. Yes. And then you've got the, the Russians who are kind of a constant presence. Yes. Uh, but they don't get into that like that much. Yeah. It's just sort of the setup. Um, yeah. And that is kind of a... It's a simple story with a very complicated setting. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I think maybe it's trying to play with that because there's so much, again, things that I love in in my own like creativity and and my is is ambiguity. Mm-hmm. There's so much of um, you know, I think Holly Martin says at the top, you know, he doesn't like the cops very much. Yeah. You know, and there's all these negative feelings. And it's like, yeah, and the cops maybe aren't the best, but they're right about this. Mm-hmm. And uh Killing kids with diluted penicillin is bad no matter uh, what. Yeah. And, and um, it's just sort of like it's weighing lesser of two evils constantly. Yeah. And um and and again, what we talked about with loyalty, where it's like, yes, loyalty is good. Let yes, loyalty is a, is valuable, but if the guy you're loyal to is a piece of crap, what is it worth? Yeah, what is it? You know? And so I, I like so much of that and what we talked about in terms of tone with um I, I'm a person who has it both as an actor and as a filmmaker. I like I like comedy in my tragedy yes. and tragedy in my comedy. Yes. Uh, it's just always what I've been drawn to. And so anything that's not taking itself too seriously. And would you say creatures is like, like all the creatures yes. were stirring? I mean, it's yeah. it's a it's a Christmas movie, but it's also like leans really heavily into the comedy. It is, of yeah. The and horror. It's horror and it's it it's a it's we we want you to have a blast. It's a weird movie, uh, but it's it's there's a lot of big laughs in it. Yeah. And, and anything I, to get a little theoretical, I, I find comedy and, and horror very similar I yes because, um, they are at the end of the day, you saying I can relate to that, whether you're uh, laughing at something or scared about scared mm-hmm. of something, it's saying, I know what that might feel like, or I might, I might know what that's like. Sure. Um, it's sort of why <laughs> this is going outside, but it's sort of why giant horror uh-huh. doesn't work. Giant horror meaning in scope. I mean, like okay. going like huge, oh. massive scope. Uh, the movies where it's like the end of the world, yes. and it's like, yeah, and that might be impressive, but are you really scared by it? Right. Whereas, like, you know, you can spend a hundred million dollars on a horror movie, but at the at the end of the day, one of the things I am most scared of, yes. is turning on the lights in my living room and someone I don't know is standing. Sure, there. I cannot think of a scarier thing. Yes, <laughs> you know. And so, what really scares us, or what we really find funny, are things that are immediate in front of us and that we know. Did you see the movie The Wave? Now, this is a. I want to say I it's. Don't think I did. It's not Norwegian. Maybe it's Norwegian. It's something. It's your. It's a year. It's from Europe, and they yeah. did a sequel to it, but. Which I didn't see, but um, the premise is that you know uh, they're they're in this like um, part of town. They live in this like waterfront okay. uh, part town, small town, and they've been saying for so long the big the big one's coming. Wow, the big one's coming, and then it comes, and it is this. It is a disaster movie, and it's big sure. for especially for a non-American right. you know um, uh, budget and and making this movie, but. It scared me so deeply. Um, and, but to your point, to support your point, the reason is twofold for me. First of all, I'm like, I live in California. Yeah. Natural disasters are are on all of our minds. In our face. In our face yeah. at all times. Yeah. But secondly, 
they really lean into the family, one family yeah. at the heart of this. And they uh, they take risks and it is in its terrifying yeah. and claustrophobic and all of those things. But, the, you know, it's a great example of the rare time that a big scope disaster can actually truly be terrifying. You have to make it personal. That's, you have to. That's exactly yeah, right. And um, the mist is like that too. Yes. The mist is a yes. giant story. But it's just this small group of people yes. inside this grocery store. And so it's about these terrible, horrific things going on. But then it's just all about interpersonal relationships, Absolutely. really. You know, it's it's uh, it's no exit. It's totally people are the real hell. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so it's yeah. I So to get back to it, but like horror and comedy, I find um, go hand in hand yeah. so many ways like that. And um, it's it's so much fun to just laugh at things, yeah. you know, to just not take things seriously. And, and I, um, you know, yes, I've made very serious movies. Absentia, the first movie I produced is very serious. Yeah. It's very dramatic, but also even that we have moments of levity because again, that feels like real life. Yeah. You know, um, I'm one of those people, I, I think you are as well. That's like gallows humor. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, where yeah. it's just, I can't, like lean into sadness. I, I just need to kind of go, well, you know, like, <laughs> and yeah, there's so many, and there's so many uh, instances of that in the third man as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I also feel like with, with horror and comedy, um, the thing I always think of is, is that they both, in order to get a good scare or a good laugh, you, there is an element of surprise. Yeah. You have to give yourself over right. to the filmmaker. Right. And, and it's funny because I, I always point that, you know, it's always a conversation that I'm having about genre um, and and sort of explaining, you know, I, some there's still a notion. It doesn't matter if it is the most popular thing in the in pop culture right now. Yeah. There's always a notion of explain yourself, right. you know, like why do you like this very bad thing or right. this very violent, scary, awful thing? Why sure. do you like watching this? And I do often appeal to people's like, let me explain, like it's two sides of the same coin essentially. Yep. Yep. Um, but genre blending is something that is hard for audiences to accept. Yeah. In some ways. That is a good point. I think, um, and I try to be uh, aware of this as well when making films and, and making content for people, is that sometimes people just want to be entertained. Sure. And so um, they'll go in. I used to work at a Blockbuster video mm -hmm. in college. And, uh, and people would come in every week and I want an action movie. Sure. And, and so I want... To watch something blow up, yep. <laughs> you know, and it was yep. like, what do I? That is the experience I want, and so they want to buy an experience, which is why marketing is so important at the end of the day, because people are like, this is my expectation, this is the experience I'm set yes. to have, and some people are cool with being taken on another road. Right. It's like, yes, you thought it was this, but it's actually kind of this mm -hmm. too, um, and some people don't respond as well to that. They're like. I wanted to see a superhero movie. Why is this feeling like a drama? Sure. You know, and, and um, yeah, that can be tough uh, with certain audiences. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, though, when you say, I wanted this uh, and we're going to take you here, too. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think I think as long as you deliver on that initial promise. Right. Um, 
Yeah, he, you do have to satisfy both masters. That's yeah. the thing. Is yeah. like as long as you give the audience uh, what they want to an extent. Yeah. I do find that that there are ways that you can sneak little things in yeah. here or there. Absolutely. Um, some of my best, some of my favorite films do that. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that that's really admirable. But I also think there's something to be said for coming out with it and just being like, "This is a weird horror comedy that we <laughs> right. made." You know. Yeah. Um, I would be so curious to go back and watch the promotional, like the trailer for the third man. Yeah. If it's if it's like in a world, you know, or <laughs> if it's like whatever with the, the <laughs> Or if the trailer's <laughs> entirely made up of Orson Welles. Exactly. And they're like, and Justice Cotton's in this too. And <laughs> you know, that's the thing though, is like yeah. I truly wonder because you said it earlier and you're a hundred percent right. It doesn't matter if it's the forties or 2018. You go back and watch some of these trailers and they are just as misleading. They're, oh, completely. You know, and on purpose because yeah. they want people to come see the thing. Right. They got that you paid the money for the ticket, they got you. They that's did, that's yeah. what they need. Um, so about the, about the third man, I want to talk about the cinematography, um, because I will also say when it comes to our genre bending, blending conversation, uh, I will not lie. There was a part of me because the music was so, uh, not what I expected. Sure. There are some really funny lines in this movie that they don't play for they they right. don't they don't linger no, on they it. They just kind of say them and you're like, what did he just say? <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> By the way, for first time watchers of this movie, uh do not be afraid to turn on subtitles. Oh yeah. Because there's a lot of German accents. Yes. There's a lot of heavy accents. Um but so so if you're feeling like you're missing something, you're you you know turn on subtitles yeah. just make sure you catch it. Agree. I yeah. co-sign that recommendation. Um but on top of that, the cinematography is is a choice. It's such that where it's 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 crooked. It's, yeah it's right? uh, yeah skewed or or um um, Dutch. Yes. Dutch and, angles. And so there was a, there were a couple of points where I was like, are we going to find out this is a dream or hmm. this isn't real? Yeah, it does or, kind of, yeah. You know, because, because it doesn't live in one world, because it is so genre blendy and because you know, and this is, I would argue, a on purpose. It's a technique. You're you're trying to tell the audience that something is Or the off. use of shadow is so intense. Exactly. Um, the chases and, and all of this stuff, like these massive shadows um, used against, and they seem almost comical sometimes, uh, where they're used against yes. the, the back the background of that, of these like blown out buildings. Right. You know, these beautiful uh, v- Viennese architecture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is... It gives it a stretch of the surreal where that for me elevates it, you know, of like, uh, um, you know, like uh, other film noirs that are set in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. or set in all these places, you know, and Los Angeles is beautiful, but this is such a unique, amazing setting and that you're constantly surprised, you know, where it's, it feels like a traditional noir feels, you know, and you're like, yeah, that's the, and then they, yeah. And then, and then a chase happens because there's another chase that happens earlier on in the movie where he's being chased by the the racketeers or yeah and um stunning it's just like oh my god even even the scene with the little boy who was yeah. saying like kill him yeah. you know i was like is this real i mean <laughs> and and i say that like kind of funny but also kind of like the movie has has been so um I don't know. It's just been delivered in such a way to where there were periods of time where I was questioning, is this a dream? I think it's made to feel also because you're, you're, 
you know, Holly Martin's is, is our way in is, is our lens as the audience. And so I think, I think a lot of that has to be by design to make you feel overwhelmed and weirded out. Yeah. Uh, by not know what you're a stranger in a strange land. Yes. And, and so that's why I think a lot of the characters like, like the friend with the dog, like the (laughs) doctor who is so weird. These are, these weird arch characters are played slightly big. Yeah. And, and so it's like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. It kind of feels a little Coen brothers esque at times. Great point. Yeah. Uh, And, um, and I, the visuals add to that too, where you are just meant to feel lost. Yeah, and that's a good point. Where you're, I, I don't know, this is completely alien mm-hmm. to me. And um, so you're, yeah, you're just being spun around just like he is. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I could see that. I mean, I I was, um, there were moments, and normally I don't, I'm not distracted mm-hmm. by the the visual, you know, you're watching a scene play sure. out, but, but there were moments where I was just like, this is some of the most beautiful yep. filmmaking I've ever seen. Some of the, the chase at the end, that the was, shots take your breath away. Oh my God, truly. Yeah. I mean, truly. And, and today, like that was another thing I was thinking was, in that time, I was thinking about how did they shoot this? Like, meaning yeah. putting the cameras, these enormous cameras. It's yeah. not like you have the, <laughs> right. the red that you can just like, you know, uh, this is like real machinery, real equipment. Yeah. And they're in these locations and in these places where, but they're getting these. And how do you light something? I mean, oh God, the I teams who put this together, truly from an artistic perspective, yeah. like I was, I was shocked at how good. It has to be one of those sequences that if you want to talk about like, you're right, where if you want to talk about like sets you wish you could have been on uh, or sequences you wish yes. you could have been on while they were shooting, that's I, I think it's up there. And the ambition. Yeah. To, to say, like, yeah. we're doing this. Right. The, the idea that, you know, uh, yeah, the, the idea of setting a scene in a, in a Ferris wheel. Yeah. The idea of setting and, and getting some of those. That was another thing I noticed was there were a lot of really high yeah. angles. And I was like, they had to get a camera up there. Right. Like, how did, <laughs> you know, and I mean, not how did they do it, but like, damn, like, yeah. they were committed right. to pushing the boundaries of what you could do. Yeah. Not only in this genre, but I think in in terms of filmmaking, which is kind of amazing. And I think to go back to them leaning on Orson Welles mm-hmm. as as a presence of, of himself, you yes. know, uh, the chase I found really interesting. Think watching it again because I was like, this isn't a normal chase. Right. Not only is it visually absolutely stunning, but you're also the person they're chasing. You want them to catch, right? Right. <laughs> like he, he, but the the movie follows him as if he's the hero in that sequence, mm-hmm. and it's sort of interesting yeah. because you're, you know, almost your instincts of of watching other chase movies are like, get away. He's got, you got to get away. Um, but then it is again fucking with you with that ambi- ambiguity of like, yeah, but. He's terrible. I kind of, but then again. <laughs> but he's Orson Welles. So you kind of want him to win. Exactly. Uh, but if you stop and think about it, you're like, wait, no, they, oh, should, get, they should totally catch yeah, him. Yeah, no, that's, that's really bad. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, there were, I mean, I truly was kind of just like, no, I want to see what else he gets up For to. For sure. You know? um, well, and this is something else. Uh, I, I don't know that much about them, but I know that. Uh, Orson Welles continued this character, even though he dies at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, he continues this character with radio plays into the fifties. Oh, that's interesting. So I think if you look up, 
if you just Google Harry Lime Radio, yeah. it's saying something like The Adventures of Harry Lime. And I only discovered them by accident. I was wow. literally like listened on a long drive years ago and came across this old radio show and it's Orson Welles and he's playing huh. Harry Lime. And I'm like, what? And are they prequels or is it alleged in the time or do, do they acknowledge the timeline? I honestly don't remember. That's interesting. I'm sure it's all Googleable. Yeah, uh, sure. But, but uh, I, I I just, it was a separate adventure of wow. Harry Lime. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was very cool. And I, I think they knew that, you know, they were kind of creating this, again, this massive kind of character who feels like he has all of this story. Um, but yeah, at the end, you know, it, you're meant to feel very ambiguous about him because it's it's just kind of like he's this charismatic presence but he's he's doing such bad things and 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 you even doubt it because holly holly doubts it for a while yes and and then at the end he just the cop just brings him to the hospital and says this this is the reality Mm -hmm. right here this Mm -hmm. is what he's doing yeah like you're gonna help us or not yeah pretty much and and it's good i mean it's 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 a, yeah, it's a, I think about if this movie were made today, mm-hmm. sort of what would stay the same and what would be changed or, or right. whatever. And, and I, yeah, I think it would have been interesting, I think, to spend a little bit more time in the hospital. Yeah. Um, but, but that, that, that's just a personal side note. In, yeah. In terms of the story, I, I think it was just really needing to, you know, nail it home. Of yeah. Like, you know, um, He's your friend. He's not your friend. Whatever you think, all these things, uh, you're unsure whether to trust me or not. Um, this is brass tacks. Yeah. yeah. And the lady, his his lady interest, love interest. I also thought Anna, Anna Schmidt. Anna. Yes, I thought it was. I really liked. Well, I didn't really like, but I thought it was a good. It was interesting to me how you know in the Ferris wheel he brings up Holly brings up Anna and he's like meh dismisses her dismisses her immediately and yeah. then uh, and then even when, though we've been watching her for an hour be so sad and lovesick about him that's what I was gonna and say like, is and he like, dismisses her immediately when he comes back <laughs> yeah. and she essentially is like you know run go I yeah, want yeah, you I want trying you to, to save him yeah trying to save him and she she has no idea what's what's actually going on. It was, it was quite sad. It's, it's really, yeah, it, it is sad. And it's really, I think a theme of the story that true. Yes. The, these, the people that we create in our own minds to be bigger and better than they actually are. Yeah. And so, um, you know, both Holly and Anna like talk about Harry as if he's a God, right. You know, and as if he's the best Yeah. and, um, and then he's not. Yeah, yep. slime ball. Yep. Okay, okay, so let's get to what uh, What would you... So if you could add any movie to the list, sure. what would you... What would um, you well, um, I, you know, it being December, or almost December yes. when we're recording, and, uh, and, and since I have a Christmas horror movie, I'm going to bring the original Black Christmas. Oh, yes, yes. Let's uh, talk about this. 1974, uh, Robert Clark, yes? Bob Clark, yeah. Bob Clark, um... It was one of those movies that I didn't catch for a while. Same. And um, and again, when you talk about like the movie is so effective in its own right, um, it's it's a really it's not quite a slasher. It's mm-hmm. kind of kind of is, but like it does a lot of things to yeah. make to unnerve you. And um, and then you realize when it was made. This is five years before Halloween. Yes. This is like you know right after The Exorcist, I think, but it's a wholly different type of movie. Mm-hmm. And um, it it nails some things so well, and uh, I appreciate as a filmmaker, like especially with horror, 
when things feel kind of out of control. Absolutely. And this movie feels that yes. way. The, um, shocking those phone calls, even to this day. Like the first time you watch this movie, you're like, yeah, it's made in 1974. How risque is this going to be? Shocking. I, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, so this is something that this movie I love. Yeah. And this is a situation. So there are two movies that I have come to as an adult mm-hmm. that are, you know, decades old that people talk about in the horror conversation. I would argue, and, and I think you would too, that we don't talk about Black Christmas enough True. in the horror conversation, but it was Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. And Black Christmas. And those were the two that truly, as an adult, despite being decades old, got under my skin. And those phone calls, I agree. I mean, truly, I was, the first time I watched this, I was like. Yeah, if, yeah, I mean, love Scream. Um. Uh. They don't come close. No. <laughs> yeah. No way. Not even. <laughs> yeah. Close. The whole whole initial part of of scream the phone call bit with Drew Barrymore. It's great and it's totally effective in the movie. The call scenes in Black Christmas. I I would say are unarguably scarier Absolutely. and weirder. Yes. Oh, much weirder. That's <laughs> yeah. for damn sure. Yeah. And and the ending is so terrifying. Yes. Um. Yeah, it has some pacing issues, but just in terms of how early it came to things, some of the performances are really good. Margot like, Kidder. Young Margot Kidder. Oh, rest in, rest in peace. Uh, she's so great. And uh, and Olivia Hussey is, yes. is really great too. And Andrea Martin, who's, still, who's kind of always that funny character. Yes. They, yeah. they give, uh, there are moments with Margot Kidder's character, and they're fast because this is at the end of the day a horror movie. Yeah. Um, but there are moments of sadness. Yeah, and depth. And depth depth that come through for her yeah. um, that that you would not expect yeah. in a quote finger slasher movie right um, but it, it, and her but Margot Kidder is um, just she is the more I see of her that's not and I love her as Lois Lane by yes. the way um, even but, though she's such an odd which is what I love about her absolutely you know there's no way she gets cast in, like a woman like her gets cast in that role now nope. even though Amy Adams is great I love Amy Adams uh, but I think even at the time, Margot Kidder was, everyone was like, Margot Kidder, really? Oh, okay. And it's, but she is, I love that she's weird. Yeah, she's I, weird. I love that she's weird and balls, like brassy. Totally brassy. You know? She's very kinetic and, and kind of all over the place. And even more so, I love that Superman loves her. Yes. You know, like yes. I think that's- It speaks the, well of him that you, he loves her. That's right. You yes. see like uh, Amy Adams or Kate Bosworth and you're yeah, like, like, well, yeah, of course. course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Look at her, good God. Are, these are perfectly like capable, awesome. <laughs> Awesome, beautiful, <laughs> yeah. like strong, smart women. Right. They're actually kind of perfect. Right. And, and Margot I, Kidder's beautiful, but oh, yes. she's she's quirky yes. as hell. You and know? she's imperfect. Like, yeah. I love her running around on her kick about orange juice in <laughs> Superman 2. It's like freshly squeezed. That's it's like, right. what? These are these are such weird, <laughs> yes. you know, like and, and I, I yeah, I could go on and on about this, but um, but in Black Christmas, they find she finds moments, uh, and Bob Clark gives her those moments. Yeah, he does. He allows her those moments. He doesn't, you know, it's not like move along, move it on, move it on. Yeah, like yeah. he, it's all the girls are dealing with like real stuff, right? And you have the whole subplot of Olivia Hussey's boyfriend. That's right. And in the movie, <laughs> it's it's so funny because the movie works on a couple levels where it tells you what's going on. Yeah. You're watching from the killer's perspective. And so you're kind of like, but but then it's still like, yeah, it might be the boyfriend. Yeah. And you're like, wait, 
is it? No, but we saw it. Wait, what? It's so great. <laughs> I remember. And you know, so speaking to the fact it being effective. Yeah. Um, so here in Los Angeles, we have a movie theater called The New Beverly. Yeah. And uh, which is just reopening. Thank goodness. We're so Can't excited. Wait. It's yeah. been closed it's for already a sold year. out though. Completely. I know, right? <laughs> so every year they show Black Christmas. Yep. And um, and I, I went a couple years ago. And then last year I remember being like, nah, I've already I've already seen it. It doesn't like whatever. And um and and then it was Black Christmas. Christmas night and all my friends were there and I was yeah, jealous. So right. I was like pouty and Completely. I was sad. And um, so I was like, you know what? Fuck them. I got wine. I got Thai food. Uh, I'm going to sit in my chair. I'm going to watch Black Christmas <laughs> in my house. Well, it just so happened that it was a night where we were not only having heavy rain, oh, man. but we were having crazy wind. Mm-hmm. And um, in my apartment, which we are currently sitting in, I have this wingback chair in the corner and uh, I can face my TV and I can put my feet up on the ottoman and it's like, it's really like, I love it. (laughs) So I'm watching Black Christmas. The wind is howling and my chair is right next to the window. Yeah, Wind is howling. Things are banging around on my patio. The rain is pouring and I was scared. Yeah. Watching this movie and I am an adult. I watch horror movies <laughs> right. basically for a living at right. this point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, and I have seen it before. Yeah. I've seen this movie before. And it's old. Yeah. And I I was legitimately scared. There is something uh, there's something unsafe about it. Yes. That, and like you said, out of control. Yeah. It feels like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pushing your buttons. Yes. And it's very clearly aware of what it's doing. And uh yeah, it, like that's it's um the movie has such depth uh surprisingly yes. because because yeah it's sort of a slasher uh it's sort of a mystery and and we've seen so many of those at this at this point yeah. where you're like you're ready for the archetypes to come in it's like okay she's the quirky girl she's the hero girl she's the you right. know how's it going to go down um and then the movie keeps surprising you yeah. because it's i think um being very familiar with horror you know the tropes yep. Uh, and this is one of the the precursors of yeah. them. There's a this movie has so many uh, uh, pretenders or so many like yes. like imitators, and but this like they very few of them have come anywhere near nailing the depth and the creepiness yeah. and that you know that feeling of like I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, because the filmmaker tells you Bob Clark tells you early on that like I you don't know what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Like it's I you are not safe in my hands, yep. and uh, those kinds of filmmakers always intrigue me. Um, I talk about uh, the Lobster was my favorite oh, movie sure. the year it came out. Like Yorgos Lanthimos, he creates oh, yeah. such like with Dog Tooth and with and with the Lobster and with uh, Killing, uh, Killing of a Sacred deer. deer. And I haven't seen the favorite. I'm I can't so wait. So excited for the favorite. Um, tonally speaking, he creates such a broad spectrum of what could happen. Yep. Um that you are constantly unnerved. That you are like, I don't know. Yeah. I am in the hands of a madman. Yes. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like, because sometimes when you create tension in other movies, you're like, yeah, but I know the tone of the movie I'm watching. He's not going to exactly. fucking die. You know? Yes. And like Yorgos Lanthimos tells you, it's like, yeah, you don't know what I'm going to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. I will say too, for the audience listening, like it, with all the Halloween appreciation that has been going around sure. this year, which is 
which is due and, yeah. and rightful. Uh, this movie, you know, if you haven't seen it, watch it because it. You pointed this out earlier, and it bears repeating. Like this predated Halloween by a few years. Yes, yeah. and and there's so much uh, that that you can recognize. Whether and it's not just as simple as you know, like um, the the holiday right. and and all of that. There's the the killer's POV mm-hmm. and and the, a lot of stuff. Um, and then the other thing I would say to that ties it, I think, all together is Bob Clark famously directed Porky's yes. and A Christmas Story. Yes, and he made this crazy. <laughs> he did this one movie. first. Yes. yes, yeah. And um, and so I think that it goes back to our conversation about horror and comedy, yeah. and skill set and yeah. and genre bending because mm-hmm. there's some laughs in Black Christmas there too. Are. There's some really funny stuff in there. Yeah, Andrea Martin and Margot Kidder are both. Oh yeah, hilariously funny people. And the police officers yes. are are hilarious. It's weird. That's right. There's totally the one weird. cop who just keeps laughing at everything, yeah. and you're like, "What is going on with that guy?" And you never find out. No, <laughs> and you're no. like, "Just that guy. Just He's a weird, weird choice. Just a weird dude." Yeah. yeah. But um, but definitely, like, I if you're listening to this, uh, give give Black Christmas a watch. It's it's worth it's worth your time. Absolutely. Yeah. This was great. I know. This was so much fun. I had a blast. <laughs> Me too. And okay, so um, all the cre- oh. Yes. One more thing I want to mention to my audience, and and this is something actually that I was unaware of until um, I want to say it was Keith Calder mm-hmm. uh, tweeted about uh, that that I I kind of was like oh so all the creatures were stirring is streaming on Shutter correct however. If you are interested in supporting, this is correct. Um, you know this type of filmmaking and independent filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know um, if you can buy it or if you can rent it. Yes. Th- properly. Yeah, it's true. Um, yes, uh, doing well on streaming services is always helpful. Great. But uh, to to let you sort of into the economy, your, your audience into the economy of how this stuff works is that deal's already been made. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like, I've had people ask, what's the most supportive way? Yeah. Honestly, um, renting or buying on VOD mm-hmm. uh, is a more direct way to help the filmmaker because even with DVDs, and I love physical media, sure. I'm so excited that All the Creatures is getting a Blu-ray release. It'll be out in January. Uh, it, it, well, the movie's coming out next or December 4th, so it's probably out by the time you're listening to this. And uh, December 4th on VOD and DVD, it's in Redbox already. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, and then the Blu-ray is coming out in January. And then we're coming out on Shutter December 13th. And I want you to see it however you can see it. Yes. Um, physical media, uh, there's more overhead. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. Uh, the printing of DVDs, the shipping of DVDs, the packaging, all of this has cost money. And so you buy that money, a smaller percentage of it gets back to the filmmaker. Right. Uh, digital, uh, for all of its you know ups and downs... Um, more of the more of the percentage of the money gets back to the filmmaker yeah. because it costs less to right. put up. So it's something that again, like I remember when I was doing nightmares, um, and I was really plugging Devil's Candy. Yeah, and and you know it came, it had a short release, but then it was on Netflix, and and I remember being like, "Yay, audience, you can watch it on Netflix now." Yeah, and he did not say this to no, me. No, Keith is uh, Keith is all about like he's very supportive, but he's all about kind of education in yeah, a lot of ways. And, yeah, and he this was and it wasn't even like di- directed or no. in the same time frame as sure. what I was saying, but he pointed out um, he pointed out that like you know yes, it's great that you're watching on streaming, but if you really want to support these movies, like buying and 
renting yeah. really helps. And um, and so I say to you, if you're listening to this and you you don't have the disposable income, <laughs> watch it on Shutter and tell your friends. Yeah. But if you do have the means yeah. to to pay a couple bucks uh, in addition to your streaming sub- subscriptions, for sure, um, it really helps. Yeah, I agree. And thank you so much for for making that clarification. Um, and yeah, the movie is uh, it's as we've talked about. It's a lot of fun. It's genre bendy for sure. Yeah. It's referential to there there are some black christmas references yep. in in all the creatures were stirring um you know and there are some it's rebecca and dave mckendry the the writers directors uh husband and wife that that we worked with on making that they have as much horror knowledge as oh. anyone I've ever met. Uh, yes. And and so there are direct references and a lot of fun had with style. Yeah. Because um, it is an anthology. And so it's five stories and a wraparound. And we are keeping you on your toes constantly. Yes. Um, not wanting you know, and not wanting you to sit back in your seat and kind of know the movie that you're watching. It's sort of like, no, 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 now we're going to change it up. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that was fun making an anthology because I'm a fan of anthologies, but you can sort of, um, there are inlaid weaknesses with yes, anthologies, yeah. things you need to play against. Like I've been um, frustrated or, or with other movies, other anthology stories where it can feel repetitive, the starting and stopping sure. of another story. And so we were directly playing to that uh, by going like, you know, doing things to get you to not sit back in your seat right. and, uh, and changing it up. And kind of pulling the rug out from under you. I love it. Thank you. It's great. Thank you so much. All right, my friend. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. This is great. And happy holidays. And to you. Thanks. And listen to yes. Fear Initiative too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, course. I know you're right. I, yeah, it, yeah. We you, talked about it at the top. Yes, but, yeah. but as you are, as you are, listen. I I talk about this a lot actually, and part of the reason why I wanted to bring my show back before or around the holidays yeah. is because the holidays can be tough mm-hmm. uh, for everyone, no matter what you're celebrating, who you yeah. are, what your relationship are the holidays can be tough and I find that having a routine having my regular podcast my regular things like you know that that kind of make remind yeah. me that look forward like, to it's it's tuesday this means i get this yeah exactly yep. so so if you are looking for a new thing to dive into yeah uh fear initiative has a whole season yep. that is ready for you to listen 15 to 15 very bingeable episodes exactly yep. and uh and we have a lot of fun on it we so do. yeah give it a listen <laughs> all right good producing <laughs> thank you all right see you later thank Bye. you everyone friends that's gonna do it for me today this christmas day on christmas day also it's time for me to go back to bed i hope by the time you're listening to this i am not sick anymore so many times that i've been sick especially later this year what's up with that i don't like it new year's resolution in 2019 is to not get sick as much um but thank you all so much for listening really and truly uh happy holidays to you and uh you know whether you celebrate or not i hope you're having a wonderful day and um we will be back next week there will be an episode on new year's day because as you guys know um especially around the holidays. I like to keep it regular. I like to have the regular routine. Uh, it's always helpful for me. And, you know, even if that doesn't make that much of a difference to you, you're probably traveling and you need lots of things to listen to. So my gift to you. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. This is a loopy outro. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And I will see you on Patreon on Thursday with more from my conversation with Morgan Peter Brown. Bye. Bye.